Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Bradley Sell, and David Brandt, both coming up here shortly. But first, before we get into it, after Ole Miss's loss, but encouraging loss on Saturday to Florida, on this overreaction Monday, let me tell you briefly about my bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code TOC, TOC, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit, Ben on Twitter, Bradley Sal co-host here of Talk of Champions, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Coming up in just a second, today's guest on Talk of Champions is David Brandt of the Associated Press. It's overreaction Monday on Talk of Champions. Ole Miss football has finally played a game. A 51-35 loss to number 5 Florida. 51 points, that looks bad. 642 yards allowed to Florida, that looks bad. 
Six touchdowns to Kyle Trask. Bad. Kyle Pitts, four touchdowns. Bad. But Ole Miss offensively has gotten one Bradley Sow hyped. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Ben? Appreciate you having me in again. You're fired up. Yeah. I'm very encouraged by this game this this week, and I'll, obviously we'll get into why, but I'm more encouraged and discouraged. Okay, before we dive into it, your immediate reaction to the loss was what? I, I was I was extremely excited about the offense. Um, it, it, my thought is, hey, my, my immediate reaction was like, okay, I like where we're at. Let's get the defense just a little bit better. If our defense can come just, just be a hair better, I mean, obviously with the talent they have and, and the depth they have, I don't know if it's going to be – at times, it's going to look the way it looked, but if they just get a, a hair better and and and, st- and get a few more stops, I, I I really believe that much in our offense right now. You haven't been particularly high on Matt Corral as the starter for Ole Miss, even going back to last year. And Matt Corral, I think, pretty much told everybody that, "Hey, man, I'm here to stay. I'm the quarterback." That it's settled. Ole Miss opened the game with Matt Corral at quarterback, and as I talked about on Thursday as a possibility, flanked by John Rice Plumley and Jerrion Ely, and John Rice was actually responsible for the second completion of Matt Corral's season. There's no competition. Matt Corral's the guy. He looked the part, and honestly, as good as he was stat-wise, 22 of 31, I think, for 395 yards and three touchdowns in the interception, it could have been or should have been that much better. A tip ball interception at the line of scrimmage, the holding call that brought back an Elijah Moore touchdown scamper. There was so much more there for him. As I tweeted after the game, the biggest takeaway from this game, because we're not just going to do a rehash of the game. you have all seen that. You'll probably listen to different podcasts and post-game stuff. But the biggest takeaway is how good Matt Corral looks and how perfect of a marriage it seems it is with him and Lane Kiffin slash Jeff Levy. I was extremely wrong on Matt Corral. And it's amazing. If you look at that, it's amazing what a, what a coach and a scheme can do to a player. Um, obviously, he fits Kiffin's offense and Levy's offense really well. I, I thought he looked like a totally different, a totally better player this year. Um, he was very good in the pocket one. He wasn't crazy with the ball. He took his check downs. He made shorter completions. And whenever he threw the deep ball, he threw it to the, to the right guy. So, I mean, the kid looked unbelievable. I hope he can keep going with that and keep keep the right body language and keep it keep up exactly what he did. Because here, here's the thing people don't realize. We played Florida the first game. We played the number five team in the nation. And I think they're the best team in the SEC, honestly. It wasn't like we lined up versus a small school and everybody's hopes are up high. We got, we got thrown right in the fire the first game. And to be honest with you, there's some points in that game that it would have went our way could have been a totally different game. I mean, there's there's tons of stuff in there that cost us points with the, with the, being the two third down penalties, multiple different things in, the, in that game. That the tip pick that was unfortunate. Um, we could could have made a field goal there. We we could have kicked another one at the beginning. I mean, that game could have been so much closer had we you know had a few more stops. I think the most telling quote from Lane Kiffin after the game was when he said. You don't see very many offenses do that to Florida defensively. Florida's always been a very strong defense, playmakers all over the field. And I picked Florida this year to win the SEC. I think they're that good. And Kyle Trask met every expectation, if not exceeded every expectation that I had for him. And Kyle Pitts is going to be a dynamic tight end in the NFL. You can just tell he's got the perfect building body for it. And he absolutely ate up Ole Miss in the secondary. A few of the obvious things going in that we knew was going to be a problem, including the defensive line, those things held up. Defensive line was not very good, uh, struggled to generate pressure. The secondary, I mean, when you don't have pressure, that stuff goes hand in hand. You know that. Matt Corral, yeah, he, he was every bit as good as he could possibly be. And, and it really makes sense when you think about it as far as 
when he was recruited, he was coming out of an offense in California in high school that was very similar to this as far as tempo and wide open and a lot of motion, um, a lot of misdirection. And I think he just fits comfortably, which again goes back to the coaching thing that you mentioned at the start of the show. What Matt Luke and staff did with these two quarterbacks last year, it's indefensible. It was a complete detriment to both of the players. And Matt Corral, now with the coaching staff that knows what he does well and is looking to utilize and showcases him and what he does well, the quarterback battle that we talked about all preseason wasn't a battle. It was settled. And Matt Cross showed why it was settled. Absolutely. I mean, he he totally fits what what Kiffin and them are trying to do. And 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 I've I've said this multiple times on the sh- on the show that it, it's scheme, man. I mean, the John the, from the stuff that I saw that that they were doing on Saturday, it's just going to fit Matt Corral better. I mean, and, and Rich Rod, the, what he did with John Rice, obviously made John Rice look a lot better. So it, it's I mean, Matt Corral totally fits the scheme, and and what what he was able to do out there was really impressive, man. I mean, and all that he used his legs well too when he had to, and and I thought when he was under pressure, he was he was poised in the pocket. I mean, the the, the kid the kid totally like a different player. He looked like the high recruit coming out that he was supposed to be, and I was um, I, I was thoroughly impressed with him. It just goes back to coaching, and being the right fit with the right coach. Give Matt Luke and staff a lot of credit for getting the kid on campus, but for the way they developed him and utilized him. And last year, how it played out, it's indefensible, especially when you watch the true arm talent and what he's able to do with the coaching staff that understands what he does well. Say what you want to about Matt Corral, and I've heard a lot of the different complaints about Matt Corral. He winged it too much last year. He's even acknowledged his immaturity last year. There's a lot of that stuff that was uh, kind of baked into his game. But to go to Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy from the previous staff – I think it gave Matt Crow brand new life, allowed him to reinvent himself. That meant rededicating himself to his craft, developing that maturity, however you do it on and off the field. And as much as my message board, a few others probably are going to be making a, a good joke out of his hairstyle on Saturday. Yeah. What was go, that? I don't care <laughs> when you do that. It doesn't matter. Be you because everybody loved Chad Kelly because of the swag and the confidence, but that stuff has to be earned. And that previous staff didn't give Matt Corral the chance to earn that because the system did not fit him. Rich Rod handpicked John Rice Plumley to be his quarterback. Lane Kiffin, it was clean slate. Who is the best quarterback? And over a course of a month and a half of practices, that guy was obviously Matt Corral, and he showed you why. And what's so interesting, too, last Saturday in their final scrimmage, Ole Miss offensively scored one touchdown in the second half against their service team. So I don't even think Lane Kiffin expected to see the offensive performance that he did. But this is what Lane Kiffin offenses do. He's going to identify the best players, the playmakers, and he's just going to operate his offense based on what they do well. It's a very simple concept, right? But that's what he does. Elijah Moore, you know he's one of the very best players you have. What does he do? Put up over 220 yards of of, um, reception yards. Caught 10 of 12 targets on Saturday. And that's not going to change. He told him when he got on campus, look, you're going to break the catches record here at Ole Miss. Now, that's going to be hard to do in 10 games. But one of the questions I posed, I think, to you or to Rippy one, I can't remember, was that if I could give you Elijah Moore or the field to lead Ole Miss in catches, well, if you watch Saturday, it's going to be Elijah Moore. My biggest takeaway is this offense with Matt Corral will give you a chance in games I didn't think you were going to have a chance, especially when you look at the landscape of the SEC after Saturday. 
I agree. I mean, and just think that we, we played Florida. We played a top five team. It's not like we're sitting here talking about a win after playing, you know, a, a smaller school where we, where we put up 615 yards. We played a top five team and put up 615 yards. Not every team every week is going to be as good as Florida coming in. So I truly think we're going to give some teams some trouble. And I'm, I'm more than excited about, about it. I mean, just, just get the defense shirt up. And I'm more than excited about the stuff that Kiffin's doing on offense with these guys. And, yeah, Elijah Moore, yeah, he had a touchdown called back in this game too. I mean, the kid absolutely, absolutely lit it up. And, and I mean, I thought Drummond came along. He made, he made a couple of good plays there. And then um, the tight end, 84, he was, he's a guy that I think is going to be involved more and more yeah. as we go on. And, um, you know, obviously the backfield's good. We didn't get a chance to see the Henry Parrish guy. I don't know if they were playing, playing jokes with us. That was a smoke about. screen, man. You and I talked <laughs> about that last week. We couldn't believe – that Snoop Connor was number three, that was just depth chart tomfoolery. There was no chance that Henry Parrish had left him. And when they went to goal line situations like you and I talked about, Snoop Connor's the one that's in there at running back and he scored a touchdown. That's gonna happen. And well Taylor Knight got the second carry of any back during the game. I mean he, he was, was he was in for Snoop, so I'm mind blown. I'm like, where where is Snoop at? So Yeah, Tyler um, Knight yeah. Got three straight carries, I think, one time on third and one. And you go back to missed opportunities. That was one that I think if the coaches could have it back, they would. They'd take that one back. Tyler Knight got stopped short pretty quickly. Absolutely. That, that ball should have been in Snoop's hands there. But, I mean, for the most part, I thought it was a well, well-coached game on offense. I mean, they did a really good job of, of keeping it off balance. I mean, every, everything was, was very protected. On You couldn't tell if it was a runner pass. And um, the, time, the times we did throw it, we took our shots downfield. And if they weren't there, you know, um, Corral was really good at, at hitting someone over the middle or – we're checking it down. I thought he was – when that kid's safe with the ball, if he's going to be safe with the ball, he's going to be a successful quarterback. That was my only knock on him before this was how loose he was with the ball. But if he plays like he did today, and I'm encouraged, like I said, because we played a very good football team today, so we got to see where we stack, stack up pretty quickly. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's you – know, I'm more than excited about this. Well, it's the confidence he played with that really stood out to me. It, it, he had such command of everything, not just of the playbook, but of the situation. And – if he had to use his feet, he used his feet. But he went through his progressions. He didn't get stuck on one guy. He didn't go or deviate from the offensive playbook. He went with the call, and he made his progressions. He made his reads, and he made his plays. And that's what was so impressive. And, yes, you look at the score, 51 points to Florida is bad. But, again, that's the number five team in the country, in our opinion, the best team in the SEC. And it's easy to overreact today on Monday. I play Monday morning quarterback and talk about how Ole Miss is going to have a chance because it was Florida. You're right, it would be different if it was the Sisters of the Poor that Ole Miss did this against. But they did it against Florida. And that's why when you look down the schedule and you see all SEC teams, well, Kentucky's a good team, no doubt about it. And they're going to be desperate for a win after losing to Auburn. But Ole Miss with that offense has a chance against Kentucky. As good as I think Kentucky can be, I don't think Ole Miss and Kentucky are that far off from each other anymore from watching them after one game. The defense has got its problems, but we all knew that. I don't think anyone expected the offense to get off to such a fast start. And you keep going down the schedule, and you make these observations. Auburn, for example, if Ole Miss is playing that kind of offense and that quickly and can do that to one of the very best defenses in my mind, even though Florida might have a few defensive problems that we, don't, we aren't aware of, and maybe that was exploited by Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. They identified some spots, and they're going to be problem areas, and Florida loses to a team or two. We don't know, but after one game, knowing what we know about Florida, what we think we know, if Ole Miss can get a turnover or two against a Bo Nix, well, now they're competitive against Auburn. Now they're certainly competitive against Arkansas. Kyle Trask is the best quarterback they're going to play. Now, Kyle Trask lit them up 
But that was the best test you're going to get, and you were in the game. And if not for a couple of developments such as the roughing the passer penalty, the tip ball interception to the defensive lineman, that's a different game. Now, Ole Miss has a problem with this field goal kicking again. And I, if I'm Lane Kiffin, I don't care if it's fourth and 16, and I got a 42-yarder I can try to kick. Luke Logan has proven you can't trust him. And if he was the best in that entire month and a half of practices, I'm going for it. I'm just going and going and going. The only time he's kicking is extra points. But did anybody jump off to you as, okay, wait a second, I didn't realize that guy had NFL potential, like a Dontario Drummond or something. Oh, wait, that guy, he can give Ole Miss something. This guy, did anybody like that jump out at you? Um, I think I think the tight end, 84, I mean, he was um, – Kenny Yabo, you knew he was going to be an impact guy, but I think while well, it took him a little bit longer, yeah, the 50-50 ball that, for like yeah. 33 yards, that, that's when you went, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's something. That's pretty impressive. Also, um, seventy-two, the right tackle. He 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 showed some really good signs. I liked I liked the way he battled um, watching him throughout the game. And and our O line was fine. I mean, they, they went up against a pretty good D line, and I was I was impressed with our O line. I really was. There was some there was some pressure here and there, but I mean, they for the most part, man, we threw for four hundred yards and, and threw the ball quite a bit. So and, and we rushed the ball fine too. So our O line was not overmatched whatsoever. I, I was kind of impressed with those guys. Okay, so now that you've seen Ole Miss offensively. What are they? If you had to describe them to the Ole Miss fan, they just saw tempo, 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 spread it out. But what did you identify as the core principles once you actually got to watch Ole Miss play? You know, I think I think it's a true RPO. I really do. It's a it's a kind of run pass offense. But um, I I think that they really try to exploit the one on one. I mean, if if you look at you look at the way they were, they were bringing guys in tight, putting guys out wide. I, th- I think they they do a good job of getting to the line, and then they're 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 kind of told from the sideline what to run. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like they're looking for that one-on-one matchup, and then um, you know if if the box isn't isn't too stacked, I think I think they they switch it to a run. So, I mean, it's it, it's a true misdirection kind of one-on-one t- type of offense, pretty spread out. Um, it, it definitely definitely a lot to digest for the defense, man, especially with with a quarterback that that can kind of run it, and then you got you know you can run the ball each way. I mean, you get they, there was a couple runs in there were, that were great great misdirection schemes and then you had a couple um couple of deep passes that were just true one-on-ones that um that they're looking to exploit. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's different. I mean, it's not um it's not very common. It's a kind of a mix between if you look at UCF kind of Auburn, the old school Baylor. I mean, it, it's a little it's got some different to it. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal with David Brand of the Associated Press coming up here shortly after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Celebrate! Ole Miss football, it's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered. And no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like. Simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at allensamuelsoxford.com. 
or see them in person. Socially distance, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. Now what do you do with John Rice Plumley? And he came out and he split out wide. He ran a route. Then the second completion of the game of the season for Matt Corral was to John Rice Plumley. If you're John Rice Plumley, it goes back to what we talked about. Well, you weren't here at the time, but what me and Rippy were talking about weeks ago. What do you value? If you view yourself as a two-sport athlete and you're going to play football and you're going to play baseball, you're not going to be able to do that most likely at an Auburn if you decide to transfer. You're not going to most likely do that at a Florida if you're going to transfer. The best opportunity then would be here or to drop down a level. But if you're going to do it here with what we saw from Matt Corral and assuming that that continues, you're going to have to move positions. So what is the best position then for John Rice Plumley? Because talking about a coaching staff that utilizes its talent, understands its weapons, what is that for John Rice Plumley then? I know I have a really good friend by the name of Trey Burton. Um, played, played ball with him. He, I think he, he came into Florida as a quarterback. Same deal, super athletic. Um, you know, I think over time he ended up kind of being like a like a Swiss Army knife for them. He was, you know, played a little running back, a little slot, kind of did everything. And then when he got to the NFL, he was a tight end. I'm not saying John Rice is going to do that, but um, I think he's athletic enough if he, you know, if he sticks around here. And if, if Matt were to get hurt, you know, obviously you go with him at quarterback, but he, you don't keep the guy on the sideline. And I think he understands that he'll have a role in there somewhere if he's more open to – to kind of kind of doing everything on offense because I mean having an extra extra athletic body like him in there it certainly helps. So, um, but yeah, I think right now it's Matt Corral's offense, and um, if he wants to be a super team guy and it just kind of you know play whatever, I think I think that would that would be to his best benefit. See, here's the thing: when I was watching that game, Elijah Moore's gone after this year. He's going to go to the NFL. What do you think about his NFL potential? By the way, Elijah, he could go play now. I'm, I'm being dead serious. He's very good in the slot. He's going to be a very good receiver in the NFL, and he's he fits the mold, man. He's that he's that perfect little shifty slot guy that'll that'll get a bunch of receptions, and he can run too. I mean, he's he's got some quicks to him. Um, Elijah Moore, uh, he's just a solid football player, man. He's not going to really wow you, but he's he's just a reception guy. I mean, they're he's going to get open. You can do everything with him. He's he, he'll fit multiple offenses very well in the NFL. I think he's going to play very well in the NFL. He's Russell Gage to me. I can see that. But anyway, back to John Rice Plumley. If you're looking at Elijah Moore, knowing that he's going to be gone after this year, why can't that be you? Why can't that be you? If you learn to polish routes and run, you could be Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's on the smaller side. If you think that you're only a quarterback, well, you're going to have to transfer. If Matt Corral continues to do this, and there's no sign he gave you on Saturday that there's any potential for an opening. Two weeks ago... They had the meeting with Jeff Levy, and Jeff Levy said Matt Corral's the guy, and Matt Corral proved why he was the guy. It wasn't even a competition for two weeks. There is no opening unless he gives you an opening, and there's no signs that he's going to give that to you. He have not given you a sign for a month. So if you're John Rice Plumley, why can't he be Elijah Moore? Yeah, I mean, you got to think Julian Edelman was a um, – he was a quarterback at Kent State, I think. So, I mean, it, it can definitely be done. But but the, the, the sad part about John Rice is this last staff did him a disservice. They really did. He – um he, you know, he came out. He ran the ball a bunch. They ran this crazy offense, and he looked really good in this offense. And you know, everybody was very excited about him. Hey, you know, he's the future. But that offense wasn't realistic, man. I mean, they they had this kid running like he was a running back. And um, you know, at some point, you have to be able to drop back and throw the ball. 
and um, you know spread that thing around a little bit. And um, you know, obviously everybody's excited about him. I'm excited. I like the kid a lot. I, I I definitely root for him. But I mean, you can't sustain a an offense where you're just running the ball in third. I mean, third long. I mean, they they could never get a passing game going last year. So. With this new staff, unfortunately, man, that's what it requires. I mean, that that's the way they like to put up points. They're not really into the, you know, just run the ball every every down. And he's very athletic. If he wants to be an Ole Miss Rebel and do very well at Ole Miss, he'll do whatever it takes. And he's more than athletic enough to find a role in this team. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's the thing, man. Every other school was recruiting you for a position not named quarterback. And the reason why you were a quarterback at Ole Miss is because Rich Rob was treating that offense like it was, what, 2008 again? 2009, he was running a 10-year, 11-year-old offense in 2019 that had gone out of style. You just cannot run that offense anymore unless you're at a service school like an Army or a Navy, and basically you have so much turnover, you effectively can't help but run the exact same system over and over, run a triple option type of deal. But at Ole Miss and the SEC, that's not sustainable. But their backup plan for him, if he wasn't a quarterback, was slot wide receiver. At Georgia, they were recruiting him to be a safety other schools saw him as a wide receiver or a safety. Now that you've seen what this offense is and how good it can be and how good Matt Corral is in it, you have a place if you can accept that you are not a quarterback. It's hard for guys to accept that. It's hard for guys to be one thing their entire lives and then be told you're no longer that thing. But if you're looking for a professional future, which I don't think is in baseball, I think it can be in football, now you've got to move. Now you've got to make your decision. And I think that they showed him a little bit when they opened with him in the backfield, when they split him out wide, when they let him run a route. There is a role for you. But are you willing to fully embrace it? Hell, he can be a weapon in the defensive secondary. You watched Ole Miss' secondary. Maybe that's the spot for you. But if he's an offensive player, he's an offensive player. I don't know what that is for you, John Rice. But I do know this. If Matt Corral had any doubters going into that game, he silenced them all. He silenced them all. And I got some criticism for saying, I don't know what Matt Corral is going to be and telling the truth about Matt Corral last year and saying John Rice is a gamer. And I'll freely admit, any doubt that I had was gone by like a quarter because Matt Corral looked completely in control because this offense fits him like a glove, just like that offense under Rich Rod fit John Rice plumly like a glove. But that offense is gimmicky. This is not gimmicky. And somebody asked me that or said something like that to me on Twitter during the game that, oh, it's a gimmicky offense. There's nothing gimmicky about this. Yeah. Some of those route concepts were outstanding. I mean, that's it's next level stuff, um, especially the one where he hit Elijah Moore over the middle. Um, I, I think they it looked like kind of a they both one ran a corner, one ran a post, but they kind of did it opposite of each other. And I mean, those are those are just next level route concepts. That's what LSU was doing last year. I mean, just just running really good route concepts in there that, that are that are tough for defenses to switch off and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, Lane Kiffin knows what he's doing, man. I mean, there's there's no secret to this. And just wait. This is what he's got right now. This is the hand he was dealt that they didn't get a chance to practice as much. And, um, you know, a, a, as you would have liked to, no spring ball. And he comes out there with a, with a bag of, of Matt Luke's toys and puts up 615 yards. <laughs> wait, um, w- w- wait, wait a couple of years and, and, and we'll talk. Oh, man. Matt Corral was a four-star prospect, U.S. Army All-American coming out of high school. He just came yeah. to the wrong place for him initially. But now – under this coaching staff? Now, when I talked to you after the game, you said something that perked my antennas up. Because we got to get to David Brent. we got to do some more overreaction of the entire SEC. You said that you think Ole Miss can compete in the West. For the West. I do. I really do. And, and call me crazy. But if we can find 
if our defense can play 25% better, maybe get a turnover here and there, and our offense plays the way it plays, I think Ole Miss can compete for the West this year. And I'm not saying win it, but I'm saying they'll be in every game and have a chance to win every game in the West going down. I mean, who, who think about it. You got Alabama breaking in a new quarterback. You got Miles Brennan. No. A&M, I think. Got, <laughs> Your hatred for Miles Brennan is going to be my favorite thing as we go through the year. Miles Brennan, no. I mean, it's not, not going to happen. Um, A&M has probably got the second best quarterback. But, but I, I'm not going to say we're going to win the West, but I'm telling you, you look you look at every game we're going to play if our offense plays the way it plays it played this this Saturday and our defense plays a little bit better be in every game and have a chance to win the west i know it sounds crazy with it being this year but i'm telling you it's going to be closer than people think it does sound nuts but to defend you it came against florida it came against florida this was not ut chattanooga and that's what gives me optimism now defensively they got problems they got real problems and it's the same problems we knew they had. Nothing was a surprise. Rarely do you give up a 50-burger and come out of a game and feel like this overwhelming sense of optimism. You can just tell that Ole Miss fans have optimism, and that's the Lane Kiffin effect. It was every bit the offense. I, I tell you what, one thing that was uh, kind of worrisome to me, not necessarily worrisome so much, is like I didn't know Jeff Levy calling the place. And knowing that Lane is the offensive mind that he is. And knowing that Lane always, like Nick Saban, it's the long-held joke, right? Yeah, Kirby Smart is his defensive coordinator, but it's Nick Saban's defense. Same thing with this offense. Jeff Levy's his offensive coordinator, but Lane's calling the offense. No, Jeff Levy called the offense. Now, it had Lane's fingerprints all over it, but you saw Lane active all over the sideline offensively and defensively. That's a change for him. I would expect then that he understands once he watches the film defensively where the problem areas are. He saw it over the course of practices. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets more hands-on there too because Lane Kiffin is the head coach, and he knows offensively Jeff Levy and I are so similar in our philosophical beliefs and what we think offense should be that I can trust him. Let me go do this. And that's the maturation of Lane Kiffin. And that's why I came out of it thinking, yeah, they lost by 16, and they had a 50-burger put up on them by Florida. But this Ole Miss team, shorthanded as we know it is, even though Dean Leonard apparently got cleared by the SEC because he was out there, Otis Reese still no sign of anything, knowing the roster for what it is and the deficiencies that it has because of a lack of recruiting in a number of areas, specifically defensive line, this coaching staff is really good. It's really good. I'm not going to argue too much with you. Because now my belief in this team as far as winning in Fayetteville, maybe beating Kentucky, beating Vanderbilt. Coming into the year, I said, I don't know where the guaranteed wins are because Vanderbilt always plays Ole Miss tough, Ole Miss always struggles in Fayetteville. But now having watched that team, that wasn't the Ole Miss I'm used to seeing. Matt Corral surpassed every expectation. He looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, which is going to completely blow the mind of a number of lazy national writers that weren't paying attention for the last month and a half about who was leading this quarterback battle. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as you are, but knowing what we know after one game, my belief in this team has completely changed as far as competing. Now, winning those games is a totally different thing altogether. And defensively, they got a long way to go. This team I could see improving. Like Lane Kiffin said this, Sam Williams got in late. We all know what he dealt with. 
And Sam Williams, he said, will be one of those players that starts out one way, but he gets better and better and better because of how good of a talent that he he is. Same thing with the Dean Leonard or Otis Reese, guys like that. Tavius Robinson gets in late. He's going to start out a certain way. You're going to go, I don't know about him, but then he's going to get better and better and go, where did this come from? Well, that's how it happens. That's development. I could see this team like that. They started out one way. What a way to start. Yeah, you gave up what you gave up, but what a way to start. And then by the end of the year, LSU's your last game. You hate Miles Brennan? You can't tell me that Ole Miss couldn't potentially knock them off now. I totally agree. I mean, where does the offense go from here? Okay, so yeah, you're right. you got to remember this is the offense's first game too. I mean, they get better when they get 700 yards next week. Like, I mean, that that they started out very well, so they're only going to get better as well. Defense is going to get better. And, and I look back to what you were saying with um, with – Kiffin letting Levy call plays. I said it last week. The man's legit. He's only known very good offensive football his whole life. He's at Baylor all those years. He's at UCF where they were winning all those games. He was at Houston. I mean, the guy only knows tons of points, quick scoring, um, good offense. So, I mean, dude, Lane Kiffin is, I mean, I'm telling you, he's going to let Levy do his thing, and Levy's going to continue to to do what he did this past Saturday. And like I said, I mean, let's just work. Let's figure out something for the defense. Let's get the defense to where they're somewhat – can get a stop or two here and there, get an interception, get a, get a score somewhere. The defense played about as bad as it could play in a game this weekend, and we still were in this thing for the most part. So let's get a few more stops. Let's get let's get the defense kind of coming along, getting better in the offense. It'll, it'll get better as well. The team's going to compete. I'm telling you, this team is going to compete, and it's it's nowhere near where Lane Kiffin will have this thing at some point. Towards the end of the game, you saw some things they were doing defensively that were encouraging to you. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the game, they're like, you know, what, we're going to come after them. And, and they were blitzing at times during the game, but but they, but they were running more of a dog. A dog is where you bring a backer or, or a five-man thing. They they started bringing six or seven down to the end. And, and, I mean, they were getting to them a little bit. They are kind of close to the end of the game. So, I mean, you, you had the rough in the passer call, which was which was total bull crap that, that would have, you know, it would have had the game down to where, where we're getting the ball back, having a chance to go down and score, make it a one-possession one game. But – um, yeah, we started coming after them a little bit, and, and I mean, Florida got worried. They they started putting their guys back in, that's for sure, because um, you know there for a minute they had the, the big the big Pitts guy. He was out of the game. A couple of guys were out of the game. Well, they had them back in because they knew that this team had a lot of fight, and we we were bouncing back. All right, before we jump to David Brent, this is Overreaction Monday. A not so serious serious question: Is Matt Corral the best quarterback in the SEC West? I say that facetiously before anybody goes and jumps all over me. K.J. Costello has to be considered, after one week, the best quarterback in the SEC West. Dude set the single-season passing record in his first start under Mike Leach at LSU. I don't know if that says more for him and Mike Leach than how far LSU has fallen. I think they've lost like 18 to 21 starters. But still, if you look around, Matt Corral has as good a case, if not the best case of anybody, to be considered number two after week one. If we're doing Monday overreactions. Matt Crow has a case. If he plays like he did last week, every week, count those stats up at the end of the year and see what it's going to look like. Yeah, he's – I like. I liked him. I liked the way he looked in that game. I mean, I, I was a bit of a doubter, but I was just going based off of what, what the situation he was put in last year and what, how he looked last year at times. So, I'm I'm totally on board. If he's going to play like he did last week or, you know, yeah, this past game every week, bring it on. I mean, he's, he's more than what we need. All of a sudden, Bradley Sal goes from one of the biggest Matt Crow doubters to – Hell, you're the head of the fan club. NFL quarterback, here he comes, Matt Corral. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but yeah, – I'm just saying. I'm saying. He's solid. I'm saying. He's solid. He, he's, he's, he impressed me, man. And, and I always say it, scheme is everything. 
And when a coach, you fit a coach's scheme, you can look a lot better. It's happened multiple times. I mean, there's, it's been going on for years in football. There, there's guys that, that stick in these schemes that they fit and they look really good. And, you know, the, the, the kid looks good in the Lane Kippen scheme. Answer me this. What team would you think about this? What, what, tell me somebody you would trade them for in the West. Not Felipe I mean, Franks. I, not Miles Brennan. God knows you don't want to trade him for Miles Brennan ever. No, I mean, I don't even want Miles Brennan's back. I mean, no. <laughs> I would take Miles Brennan's backup before I would take. KJ Costello has a case, certainly. Um, Kellen Mond has got a chance. Bo Nix, eh. And you don't like Mac Brown. No, no. It's Mac Brown's been how? But what year is he? Is he? A, he's a senior or junior? I mean, he's been there a while. Yeah, right? he's been there. He's been there a while. But he's backing up Tua, so I mean, that's that's how that goes. Well, what's what happened to Tua's little brother? Didn't he transfer or something? Oh yeah, I he transferred he out. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's been there. I, I I don't see. I mean, maybe. He's surrounded by, I mean, a, a five-star on, on every corner. I mean, he, he should look decent, but I, I, I wouldn't trade. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want him over Crowell. That is so crazy to hear from you, man. I mean, there's not going to be many defenses better than what we faced this past week. So, I mean, if we're going to do do it the way we've been doing, it, I mean, I think he's he'll sure, he'll certainly have a chance if he takes care of the ball and plays like he played last week. I mean, he's gonna. Yeah, he'll certainly have a chance with Elijah Moore, and and um, yeah, he's he'll have a chance to do it. I think that, that could potentially be a trend. Going to continue with Overreaction Monday with David Brand of the Associated Press. We got to go all around the SEC. But first, we got to say goodbye to Brad. See you, Brad. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. That's Bradley Sal at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Going to go now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to David Brandt. Before we do, let's hear from BNA Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. 
where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line, it's my buddy David Brand of the Associated Press on this overreaction Monday on Talk of Champions. Brent, what's up, man? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? It was good to good to see some college football, man. Like we talked about, I don't know if uh, you know there was a while I didn't think this was going to happen. So, man, that was uh, that was a good Saturday. It felt pretty normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, we're we're kind of used to the idea of of not many fans in the stands. You know, with with baseball and basketball and all the things that have gone on. So. I don't think that was a huge shock to the system. And, and there was a lot of places that at least some people could be there. So it was a little weird, but I, I think at this point, <laughs> six months into a, a pandemic, I think most people are, are willing to accept a little little weird as, as long as we get some college football. So what was your first overreaction to the SEC and what you saw results-wise on Saturday? My first overreaction, that's a good question. Um I, you know, the first thing, I, I don't even know if it's an overreaction, but I, I was impressed overall by the quarterback play in, in the league. I, I mean, there, was very, there were very few teams that I, I think it's going to be a huge offensive season in, in the league. I, I, there, usually there's a couple teams in week one that just can't move the ball and that look hopeless at quarterback. And I really, I started kind of going through everything. Every single team can move the ball. Um, I, I think that there's going to be a lot, you know, the, the defense always prides itself, or I'm sorry, the SEC always prides itself on a smash mouth league and, you know, you win games 14 to 10 and it's a tough league and it is, but I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of like 42 to 35 games. I mean, I just think there's, you know, all these teams are, are built and have quarterbacks who can throw the ball. And I, I think you're kind of seeing the evolution of the game. I, I think the SEC has kind of changed a little. If I, you know, I'm not saying for the better or for the worse or anything. It's just, I, I think I was, I was impressed at how many teams put up huge numbers. Here's an overreaction for you. The state of Mississippi has the two best quarterbacks in the SEC West. Let's think about that for a second. And the Ole quarterback all. is Matt Corral. And I, I got to be honest with you of any quarterback, and it's not really a new quarterback because Matt started the year last year, but of any quarterback going into debut weekend, I think he impressed the most for what his expectations were. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there was a lot of questions. Obviously, you know, he, he was kind of in and out of the starting lineup last year, but he was really good. Um, you know, anytime he scored, like I said, he was another quarterback at the SEC that looked really good and was throwing the ball all over the field. And then Costello at Mississippi State, obviously, I'm going through, you know, Mac Jones looked okay, but he didn't look great. Knicks, um, Miles Brennan, you know, Arkansas. I don't even know if that's really an overreaction at all. I think that's pretty, especially with those systems. I mean, I, I think those two, it'll almost be an upset at this point if those two don't lead the West in, in passing yards. I just love that Mike Leach came in and in his first game said, you know what, we're not going to run the ball. I'm just going to do what I always wanted to do, and that's show the SEC that my offense and throwing it every down, you know it's coming, you're not going to stop it. It was the most quintessential Mike Leach approach. I loved it. No, that was amazing. It just his total, 
you know, his facial expressions on the sideline of looking like, you know, half confident, half confused. I, I, Mike Leach just has a, such a unique look about him. But, yeah, I mean, they just – he does what he does. And it was incredible that in the first game he ever coached in the SEC against the defending national champions, his quarterback immediately sets a single-game passing record in in the league. I mean, it, it was incredible. And not just broke the record, but smashed it by, like – what was it, like 80 yards or something like that? I mean, it, it was incredible. And I was, you know, I, I expected State to look better on offense. But, I mean, I don't think anybody expected that. That was that was pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of fun to watch. Not to take anything away from Mississippi State, and I mean that genuinely, but does that say more about Mississippi State being a potential surprise contender in the West or that LSU, having lost so much, I think 18 of 21 starters, the alarm bell should be going off. That LSU, it could be a real struggle for them. I think that's the first national champion to lose their season opener since 1998. And they looked really bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of an asterisk just because, you know, obviously they started with a conference game, which is a little tougher than a lot of, you know, teams usually open with. Yeah. But you're you're right. I, there There is, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's equal parts. I was more impressed with Mississippi State than the other way around. But, yeah, the LSU is is not nearly what they were last year. I think that's – if we're, if we're overreacting, that's an understatement. But, um, you know, I, I give Ed Orgeron full credit. They had the roster last year, and they capitalized on everything, and they went and they won a national title, and nothing can be taken away from them as far as that goes. But on the flip side of that, man – that roster lost a ton of people. They've got a new quarterback, and I think it's going to be, you know, I, I think Mike Leach was a tough assignment in week one, and that was part of it. And I think LSU will grow, and I, I don't think like something like two and eights coming or anything. But yeah, it's it's not LSU is is not what they were, and and I think that, like you said, tough sledding is ahead. And fans felt what was that months ago with Ole Miss. My biggest takeaway was, of course, Matt Corral and how well he played in that offense, an offense that fits him like a glove. And the most impressive thing to me about that is the offense, this is against Florida. This is not UT Chattanooga in week one. This is Florida. And knowing what we know about Florida, that's a tough defense. Now, maybe Ole Miss exposed what will be problem areas for Florida moving forward. But for what we know right now, that was Florida. Where that changed my mind, is that looking at the schedule coming into the year, I said, I don't know where the guaranteed wins are. Now, Kentucky's in play. Maybe Auburn's in play. Vanderbilt and Arkansas are certainly in play. State could be in play. That could be a heck of a shootout in the Egg Bowl Thanksgiving. But now Ole Miss, I think, has changed my mind about how competitive they could actually be. We know the defense is going to be a struggle. We all knew that going in. But how far along maybe the offense is, is surprising to me. Is it surprising to you? And does it change your mind competitively about Ole Miss? It was. I, I mean, the, my first impression of all this was those uniforms were awesome. I, I thought those were some of the, the best uniforms they've ever worn. But second impression was, yes, they were very competitive against a team that I think legitimately is a top five, top ten team. And, and certainly Florida was better. That tight end Florida had was impossible to cover. He was incredible. But you know, from a from an offensive standpoint, I, I think that immediately Ole Miss has established that 
They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. You know, Lane Kiffin's going to do what he does. That That's going to be a competitive team week in and week out. And does that mean they're going to win a ton of games? I don't know about that. But I, I think that at this point, you could easily see them going five and five, um, you know, and, and really making some things interesting. So I, I thought, you know, it's as encouraging as a 16-point loss could have been, um, you know, especially at home. Florida's really good. And for an opener, and especially the way Lane Kiffin kind of slow played, the progress that that team has made, I, I think the quarterback played, the way Elijah Moore played, the way they could run the ball still a little bit. There was a lot of things to like from that game, especially offense. I love the surprise element of Lane Kiffin. And you're right. It's like going into a presidential debate. You want to lower the expectations or you want to heighten the expectations, excuse me, of your opponent so that if your candidate performs to lower expectations – well, he exceeds expectations. And Lane Kiffin went into this weekend saying, I don't know what we're going to see on Saturday. And then his offense comes out and sets the scoreboard on fire. And if you look at it, there were a couple of plays. The roughing the passer penalty that if Ole Miss gets the ball back and scores, it's a one-possession game. The holding call on the Elijah Moore touchdown catch. Matt Corral's tipped interception that was caught kind of fluky by a defensive lineman that ended what would be points at the end of that drive. Ole Miss had a real path to making that a potential winning game for them, and, and it's Florida. But it goes back then to, we went into the year thinking there were three atop the SEC, Alabama, Florida, Georgia. Has your mind been changed by any of those teams? Oh, let me tell you, I mean, I think Florida's really good still. And what I think Lane Kiffin did is, you, I guarantee that today in Gainesville, there is, Dan Mullen is mad at some people. And you know what I mean? Like he, they exposed some things with Florida. And, and that was, I think a real, like if you're from Florida's perspective, that was a good opening game from the standpoint that obviously you won, you, you did some things offensively that you really, really liked, but there's also some things to keep you humble, especially defensively. And there's going to be some, some real heart to hearts. And so I, I think that that's, you know, I, I still think Florida is pretty darn good. And then, you know, Alabama took care of business. They weren't super flashy, but, you know, they, there was never any doubt about that game. Georgia's interesting because, you know, early I talked about quarterback play and how it was pretty impressive across the league. The one real kind of exception to that, especially with the starters, was Georgia. And, uh, you know, by the way, the, the name of the guy who came in, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Oh my is there God! Any better Georgia name than that? Is no, there, that, I possible? thought that exact same thing. I went Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I mean, like he hit number five in Georgia's batting order too. That's an incredible baseball day too. But anyway, like the the point being is that I was a little surprised that Georgia was that kind of again. That was the one team that I thought under center that great. Um, and, and might have some problems. So, I mean, like, I, I, I hate to overreact. Well, this is what this is. But any time you don't have a quarterback, especially in 2020, it's really tough to be an elite team. I, I mean, you know, I, everything's built on passing. You know, K.J. Costello's throw for 623 yards. I mean, you, you've got to be able to move the ball up and down the field. And I, you don't necessarily have to be throwing for 500 yards every game. But I, I think if there's problems under center. So Georgia's the one team that I was not overly impressed with. I'm trying, the, the deal with that is, though, who do you put in that third spot? Um, I don't know. No, nobody else just over, you know, Texas A&M looked really blah. Um, you know, Auburn looked okay. Uh, maybe it would be Auburn. You know, Mississippi State obviously looked awesome. But I, I'm just really interested to see what – because Mike Leach, 
his reputation for years and years at Texas Tech at Washington State. It's why he's such a perfect fit at Mississippi State in a lot of ways is that, you know, every year at those schools, they win huge games with huge offensive numbers and everybody goes nuts. And then every year it seems inexplicably there's two or three losses that you're like, what happened? How did they lose that game? And like, you know what I mean? Like, what was that Washington State game last year that was oh like my God. 64 to 62 yeah. and like triple, you know, I mean, they just, they lose a couple games a year. And I think that it's going to be the same formula at Mississippi State. There's nothing to to me that changes the way the, the Mike Leach experience happens. And I mean that in everything good and bad. I mean, it just, it'll win you some huge games and it will have you lose games that, that just tear your hair out too. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think Georgia's suspect at this point as far as top three, but I'm, I'm not sure who I would throw in there. Yeah. Mike Leach will get you so amped after you beat LSU and then somehow find a way to lose to Arkansas or something like that. That's yeah. I mean, something just nuts where you're just like, what happened? You know what I mean? Or they, you know, they lose the egg bowl or they lose, I'm trying like they'll lose to Auburn or something like that, 58 to 55, and you know quadruple overtime in a game they had a three touchdown lead. I mean that's just been, for better or for worse, that's been kind of Mike Leach's thing over the years. He, he it's incredibly entertaining. It can get you so far, but it's hard to win divisions like that. We'll get right back to David Brandt on the Modern Women phone line here on Talk of Champions, this overreaction Monday going all around the SEC after I tell you briefly about Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. MVP of week one has to be KJ Costello, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's... Yeah, that's that's not an overreaction. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's just, just what it is. Least valuable <laughs> he was player. Incredible. He was awesome, and and he set several school single game records and the SEC record for passing him. I mean, look, he's week one MVP. Florida's tight end would be close. Yes, Kyle but, Pitts would yeah, be second, or Kyle yeah, Trask. Kyle I mean, Kyle Trask, Trask went for six touchdowns. Yeah, that's a. In most weeks, that is especially with their conference yeah. games, that would get you. But sorry, it's it's Costello's week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts put up a 50-burger on Ole Miss, but we knew Ole Miss was going to be a struggle defensively, definitely to start. Maybe they get better. I think they will. But Mississippi State did that against an LSU team that was ranked sixth. I don't think they're the sixth-best team in the country, but that doesn't matter. That's what they are, and that's what they were. And the least valuable player. It's got a defending national Yeah, yeah. The least valuable player then has to be Miles Brennan. He just did not do anything to impress you. And if you watched Joe Burrow all last year, which we all did, one of the best college football players ever. And then to see Miles Brennan, it just wasn't there was nothing inspiring to think that Miles Brennan's gonna be the answer for you after Joe Burrow and carry you to, I don't know, in ten games, six, seven wins? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought Brennan just looked okay. But honestly, I, I really wasn't expecting him to look incredible. So that really wasn't, for me, the least valuable player. You know, for me, and I only watched a little bit of the game and watched the highlights and stuff like that, but I really expected more out of Kellen Mond. You know, we kept mm, mm. thinking that he was going to be a great quarterback for years. It seems like he's like Jared Guardatado, like in his 17th year of the SEC. And, and you're like, well, this is the year that they finally break out. And we, you know, this is the year Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Bond is experienced. And he was just okay. Like kind of like he's always been, you know what I mean? And, and that was, you know, they won. So it's not the end of the world, I guess, but there was very little about Texas A&M that inspired me that this is the year that they could jump in, you know, cause that would be a team. We talked about Georgia looking not very good. Texas A&M would be a logical team to throw in that top three, but they just didn't look that great. It just looks, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm always fascinated with the idea that players get better as they get older. That's true a lot of times, but sometimes instead of getting a year better, you're just a year older and you're kind of the same guy. And so, you know, I, I think that's kind of the deal with, with some of the quarterbacks like a Kellen Mond with a Jarantano, at least right now that yes, they've played a lot of football, but at some point you are what you are and you're just kind of a average SEC quarterback. That's why if you're Texas A&M and you were offered up Kellen Mond, trade him for a Matt Corral, you'd probably do it because the upside with Matt Corral, because again, you know what Kellen Mond is and Matt Corral was in an offense last year that just did not suit him whatsoever. And now he's in the perfect offense and you unlock a kid that had talent when he signed He's a four-star kid, a U.S. Army All-American. And now he's that guy always had elite arm talent. Is there a team? If you talk about replacing Georgia behind Florida in the East, is it Tennessee? I know that they only squeaked by South Carolina 31 to 27, but struggling against South Carolina is nothing new for Tennessee. Um, and they stretched their winning streak to seven games, the longest active stretch in the conference. So Tennessee, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that would be if, if I were writing a headline, Tennessee, maybe, you know, I mean, like, I think South Carolina is not terrible. So I thought that was a nice win for Tennessee. Like you said, they've got momentum. They're figuring out how to win games. I think that defense, I think the overall talent level in Knoxville has has gone up quite a bit. So, yes, I guess tentatively, uh, you know, Tennessee's is as good of a choice as any because, again, you start running through the other candidates. You know, who are we talking about? Kentucky, no. See, South here's Carolina, the problem with no. Kentucky. Maybe Kentucky would have been that team, but the Auburn game is the game then that you should win. If you're going to be that team, then you beat Auburn week one. And, and Auburn's a tough test, but Auburn and Kentucky – are entering the year at least pretty much on equal footing, and then Auburn comes out and, and beats you pretty good. Right, exactly. I mean, like, Kentucky didn't look just horrible or anything like that. But again, like, you know, you got to go out and beat somebody. And, and Auburn handled that game for the most part from start to finish. And Kentucky kind of looks like Kentucky usually does. And so you've got Kentucky. Missouri didn't look particularly good. You know, Vanderbilt, I think, will be tough on defense. I think as long as Derek Mason's there, it's always going to be tough to score points on them. But again, offensively, they just don't quite look like they've got it. Um, you know, I think South Carolina isn't going to be a pushover. I think they'll be all right for the most part. But, you know, then after that, it's Tennessee, Georgia, and, and Florida. And so, yeah, I, I guess there, there's really no other option. Tennessee would be number two at this point. Surprising player of the week winner would be Matt Corral or probably Colin Hill, who transferred from Colorado State to South Carolina 
Mike Bobo's uh, quarterback at CSU. He looked pretty good. So which one of those guys would you take? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know much about Colin Hill. And so, you know, I, I thought he was really solid. And so that was, again, it was what I talked about at the very beginning of the show. The quarterback play across the board, across the league, was, was really impressive. I, I think everybody, with the exception of probably Georgia, has a guy that even if they were somewhat un- unimpressive, like Kellen Mond, like they have a guy. And, and they have somebody that they're, they're impressed with and that could, you know, throw the ball, hit most of the throws across the field. And so, yeah, I thought, I thought Colin Hill was a, was a pleasant surprise, even though South Carolina lost that game. I, I think there was quite a bit to be encouraged about for them. I still think Matt Corral takes that award, though. Yeah, I, I guess I expected Matt Corral to be – I mean, he was better than I expected. I didn't, you know, expect Ole Miss to throw up 35 against a, a Ted T. I, I thought Matt Corral, once he was unshackled from that offense, could could be pretty decent. So I, I guess it was more for me just the surprise of I barely knew who Colin Hill was. So <laughs> yeah. watching him have a good game. You know, like it, it, it's nothing against Matt Corral. It was just the sheer surprise of like, who is it's one of those things where you look at who's a quarterback for South Carolina? Who is that? Yeah, and who's that who's that guy up, that like, looks oh. like a tall Gardner Minshew? Who is this? Who is this dude? <laughs> yeah. Who's is that Steven Garcia? Like, who, oh, who God, Steven like, Garcia. Yeah, man. That's the difference of perspective. You're in Phoenix now watching more broadly at the SEC while I'm every day in Ole Miss. So, of course, for me, the surprise is Matt Crow and yours would be Colin Hill. That's perspective. That's how it goes. If you're Ole Miss and you come out of this weekend right there clumped towards middle tier, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, South Carolina, the bottom three then to avoid that, and the bottom three being Vanderbilt, Missouri, and Arkansas – that's a win for you and encouraging, but who's the worst team after week one in the SEC? It's easy to point to Arkansas, but Arkansas was pretty competitive. I mean, they were up 7-5 to five against Georgia. Felipe Franks looked okay. Missouri, I think, has a real good case of being the worst team in the SEC after week one because Vanderbilt did what Vanderbilt does. You expected them, having lost so much, to get their ass kicked by Texas A&M and Vanderbilt hung in there and had a chance. Yeah, I was, you know, I was about to go off and just say Arkansas, but then you took the air right out of that. But I'm going to say it anyway. I, I think Arkansas is the worst team. I think that, um, you know, again, with the new coach, I thought Franks looked serviceable. Again, quarterback play across the league, that's a veteran guy who's, who's not going to embarrass you. But I, I just don't see, you know, just about everything possible in a lot of ways, went right in that game. Georgia really start struggled at the quarterback position early. You know, they finally got it going late and everything, and, but they still lost by, what, 27 points at home? Um, I, I think yeah. it's just going to be really tough sledding for Arkansas. And I, I think that, it, you know, Missouri, I thought, was somewhat competitive, but that game was never in doubt. I think they're a, a close contender for number two. And then I think Vanderbilt, just because of Derek Mason and the defense is always going to be fairly competitive. I I think they're going to figure out a way to win a few games. And I think they're going to be, they're going to win ugly, but they'll figure out a way to win a handful of games. If you're Arkansas, yes, you're up seven to five at halftime. You ended up getting beat pretty badly and you've lost 21 SEC games in a row. So Arkansas probably has to be number 14. And with Missouri, Eli Drinkwich, like Lane Kiffin, like Mike Leach in his first year at his new school, it's going to be a build for him, if you will. But if you're the state of Mississippi, even in a loss for Ole Miss, the debuts of Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, you couldn't have been more encouraged, right? 
Oh, it was an incredible weekend for the state. There's, there's no question about that. And of course, you know, Mississippi state fans have the right to, to top dog, no, no pun intended, but definitely, you know, for this week, they won and they beat the defense. Yeah, they won, they period. They their, won. They and their the quarterback win. set a, set an SEC record, but yeah, Ole won. Miss fans have no reason to feel depressed at all. I mean, I, I think the weekend again with a loss was as encouraging as possible. And I think both programs, you know, are feeling really, really good at right now. Cause there was so much hype with Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach and understandably. So they're good coaches, but you just wonder, there's always that kind of gnawing doubt. You know, if you've like, you know, if you're Mississippi state, if you got Mike Leach past his prime, if it's really going to work in Starkville with saying same thing, kind of with Lane Kiffin, if just old miss is the right fit and he can, he can really do this. And, you know, with the pandemic and all that different stuff that the team's going to be ready. And so I, I think both programs are feeling really good about themselves. And I think, you know, I, I think the uh, subscribers are rolling into all the fan sites too, which is which is good for those places. Yes, thank you, thank you for throwing that in there, David. All right, give me a, a record prediction for Ole Miss now that you've seen them after Week One. Overreaction? I I don't have Ole Miss's. Can you read off Ole Miss's schedule to me? Oh God, I don't have it in front of me. All right, hold on a second. Let's look up Ole Miss's Sorry. football schedule. It's okay. Next up, I know Kentucky, followed by Alabama. So one and one. Kentucky, one and Alabama, Arkansas. Two and two. Auburn. Tell me where the game is. Oxford. Three and two. Ooh. Ooh. Vanderbilt. Where's that game? That sounds like a game. It's in Nashville. <laughs> it's in Nashville. Oh. Yeah. Oh, four and two. South Carolina and Oxford. Four and three. Ooh. There's a game they're they're gonna do they're gonna lay an egg yeah. somewhere. Upset Auburn, but then laying egg against South Carolina. Texas A&M in Aggieland. Four and four. Mississippi State at home. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that's going to be such an awesome egg bowl. I guess Ty goes to the home team, five and four. LSU. Five and five. All right. I think it's I think it's going to be a really fun year for all this, but it's going to be a little like state in that there's going to be games where there's going to be huge highs and huge lows, and you're going to be how did this happen? And you know, like the uh, the Arkansas game years ago, oh, what was God. that five or six yes. years ago? You know, Brandon Allen throws yeah. for seven thousand yards and all those things. I think there's going to be a game or two mixed in there, but yeah, I I like that Auburn game for Ole Miss at home. I think that's Circle a, that one, Ole Miss I, fan. I, there you go. Yeah. Well, I don't think I, I, there's a little bit of like method to the madness. I think at home, Ole Miss is going to be tough. And I think that just the way Ole Miss scores points is going to put a lot of pressure on Auburn. I don't think Auburn's really built to score 45 points. That's not really how they want to win games. And I think Ole Miss can turn that into a shootout. If they get five and five, that is a resounding success in year one. Resounding oh, it success. would be absolutely yeah. considering they're all conference games. Um, yeah, and then you go be, to like I mean, Charlotte or the Music City Bowl. I mean, that is a resounding success. Yeah, and if you look at you know we, when you've got Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Arkansas on the schedule, you know even though you know I guess you could lose it. Like if you just win those three games, then you pick off two more somewhere. I don't think that's impossible. No, um, I don't think that's impossible at all the way they looked. And so, you know, it, it may not happen, but I think after week one, I, I think there's, 
reason to be very optimistic if you're an Ole Miss fan that you can challenge 500 this year. It starts at Kentucky this Saturday at 3 p.m., and Kentucky's going to be desperate for a win. It's going to be tough, but maybe Ole Miss Yeah, that's not going to be rolling. an easy game. No. Kentucky's not terrible. No, no. Ole Miss offensively will have to keep it rolling. He's David Brandon of the Associated Press. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Take care. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.